Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to episode number 267 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is April 15th. 2013 tax day so make sure you get your taxes in pay your share to uncle sam we got a great show for you this week on the podcast we're going to talk all about the usc spring game we got dan weber coming up a little bit later on the show coach harvey hyde in the first segment they were both there we're going to get their comments on what happened as usc wrapped up spring football 2013 if you have any questions or comments you can always email us podcast at uscfootball.com or call 206-888-6755 or you could even go to peristylepodcast.com and leave a voicemail right from your computer. All right, without further ado, I want to jump in here with Coach Harvey Hyde. What's up, Coach? How you doing? Good morning, everyone. Yes, uh, I just want to make an announcement here. Okay. That I have a new dog. So if my new dog uh, barks during the show, that's just the way it is. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can't control it. She's in my lap. She's a little terrier, and... We rescued her, and uh, I'm all fired up about this. So I have a new recruit, a five-star recruit here nice. that's joining us this morning. And uh, I just want to mention that before we get started. So when people maybe hear a bark, they know it's not their uh, their uh, end. It's my end where it's coming from, okay? <laughs> nice, Coach. We have a very animal-friendly show with uh, your dog on your lap and my cat Neo on my lap. So we're just uh, recording away, talking USC football. With, uh, with our animals close by. You're exactly right. There's nothing <laughs> like a friend like this. I say, it's just her first show. Oh. So, uh, you know, she's got to get used to it, and uh, she'll wonder who the heck I'm talking to. <laughs> but uh, I don't know how many animal lovers we have out there, but there's no friend like a, like an animal. There, is, there isn't any. They, their tag, tail wags and everything, and it's just great to do that. But, you know, I also want to go back and mention this, Ryan, before we get started. I got to apologize again for that April Fool's choice, Ryan, at the Coliseum uh-huh. on Saturday. You know, we did the show with ESPN as far as the, uh, with uh, Pete Arbogast and Gary. And uh, people kept coming by the tunnel and saying that wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to apologize again to all of you for that little joke we had. And I told these guys they didn't know about the the, the prank uh-huh. and uh, they a couple of people actually asked me well, where, what are you going to be doing nice and i said nothing just coming back it was an april <laughs> fool's joke so i'm apologizing again in case you didn't get the apology yes i apologize as well i still i've been getting emails this past week coach about it so hopefully you know we're we're still here this is our second week coming back we, we brought colin coward in last week which was some fun just to to apologize more. So if you didn't listen to our show last week, we had Colin Coward on. He was great, and a lot of people commented on that. And uh, before we jump into all this, Coach, just wanted to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets. If you need tickets for anything, go to sctickets.com. Looking more like the Lakers will make the playoffs. Clippers are in there. Angels need to turn it around. Dodgers, Kings, Ducks, whatever you need. Southern California or across the country, go to sctickets.com or call 1-800-888-7287 and They'll help you out. And, uh, Coach, uh, what a jump in. We have a question here. A lot of people got to see the scrimmage themselves, so there were some specific questions, but I thought this would be a good lead into getting your take on what happened at the Trojan Huddle. This is from Cerritos SC. He spells it with an SC at the end. I went to the Trojan Huddle. I think Kiffin should name Cody Kessler as the starting quarterback. I also think the offense is clicking really well, except for the running game. What happened to Justin Davis out there? And I'm concerned about the defense. They had trouble stopping the pass, but they had good success getting after the quarterback. After I heard Coach, Har- Co- Coach Harvey Hyde on the radio after the game, I agreed with him. This team is ready to win, and they do look different from last year. I love the podcast. Listen since day one, and your April Fool's joke was great, but I'm so glad you're still with us. That's from Cerritos SC. Cerritos SC. I'm glad you're still with us, too. <laughs> But uh, I'll tell you, it was an enjoyable day out at the Coliseum. Nice crowd. Nice crowd. 
Uh, beautiful day, a little cold, but it's still a beautiful day. And uh, I thought the crowd, too, was more anticipating this spring than any other spring, sort of wondering what, I'm, what are we going to see today. Because they haven't been able really to come to practice and they haven't been able really to to watch the quarterbacks like we've been able to. And, and Justin Davis, I'd say, as he mentioned, in the running game and all the great receivers that are there. So I think people were really there to make an opinion for themselves. Uh, what do we have here with these coaches? New coaches, is it a new offense, new defensive scheme? An old thing, I think most of them walked away saying uh, what I said on the radio. I think they had more enthusiasm. I think they uh, tackled better, yet it wasn't a full scrimmage. I think they had better team morale. Uh, last year, if you remember, they struggled in the spring. Uh, and I think basically last year was a year that everyone wants to forget. And I mentioned that too. I think that the, the least you talk about last year, the better it is. It's time to move on and start anew. And I think these kids feel this way. And, you know, these kids read the newspaper and they follow everything that people talk about in the media. And they're sick and tired of hearing about last year, too. We did an interview with with uh, Kevin Graft, and he basically said that. I said, are you angry, Kevin? He said, I'm angry as hell, Coach. I said, it's time, you know, it's time to knock somebody off the ball. Are you ready to knock somebody off the ball? He says, I am. And I think they've got a an anger streak in them. I think they're, uh, they didn't like walking around campus this year. I think they want to walk around campus and have the pride that they should have as a Trojan football player. I know there was a lot of casualties in the spring, but I think that it was just part of getting a Purple Heart. Uh, I think the only casualty that won't play next year is George Farmer and we had a nice interview with him and he had a great attitude and I told him I thought he had a great spring I thought that this was his best uh, performance so far on the field and he agreed and I said all you got to do remember is get it well it's not your heart come back and play and give it the same effort he said he's going to so I think that you know if you get hurt it's because you're playing football and you can't worry about Injuries, and you really shouldn't talk about them too much. Shouldn't emphasize that. That's just part of it. You know, you got to play with what you have. And other kids will come back and they'll play. And what, the one thing that's good about it is I think they made progress in their better football team probably without a lot of their vets that had to rehab and get themselves ready to go. And I think also that gives them a better attitude that, hey, these guys that are playing play pretty good. So I better get back and get in shape and get ready to play as soon as I can, or I'm not going to play. And I think it works well. Uh, it's more or less a survival type of spring football. I've always felt that, and I've said this a hundred times, and I'm sorry I'm, re I'm repeating myself, but you make a football team in the spring. You, better, you become a better football team in the off season because you can hit and you can work on things you're not very good at. During the season, you got to get ready for game plans and stopping teams and going through what they do, and and, and you, you don't have that time to bang and bang and bang and get better at what you do. So uh, I think they're a better team. You can always get better. You can always do things better. You can always call better plays. You can always tackle better. You can always cover better. But overall, I would say they worked on the things that they needed to do, uh, and uh, we didn't see the, the best of what USC was on Saturday or could be on Saturday, but we had an addition of the potential that they could be. And I agree, I would have liked to have seen more running game. Uh, one thing about the passing game, they went with a lot of passes, deep passes, and after a while I said, that's enough of that. You're beating up your cornerbacks. But one thing that was positive about that was all three quarterbacks threw the ball deep well. Remember, you have to get someone to get those guys the ball, even if they are great receivers, and the ball got to them perfectly thrown. Blackwell, Lee, Aguilar. You know, there's other things to develop in the offense yet. They're a long ways from being the type of team to win the Pac-12 but I believe they've made some progress. 
Uh, Coach, we had a question from Earl in West L.A. You were talking about the deep ball and the cornerbacks and things like that. Um, He said there's been some concern about the cornerbacks. Yes, they were burned pretty badly in the first quarter Saturday by Marquise Lee and Nelson Aguilar, but it seems to me practicing against these two adversaries at some point will pay dividends. First, how many receivers will they face during the season that will be as fast and talented as Lee and Aguilar? Second, these guys are great athletes themselves, so does it not stand to reason that practicing man-to-man coverage against Lee and Aguilar will only make them better? What are your thoughts, Earl, in West L.A.? Well, I agree with that. I don't think you'll see another team the entire season, this coming season, that has two athletes uh, like those two. Blackwell's not bad himself. Fornite was hurt. He couldn't play. And Farmer was hurt, obviously. And you're going to have Darius Rogers back. He's, he's, he's a darn good athlete. Yeah, I don't think that they're going to face two of that combination at the same time. Uh, you know, I've talked about that the entire year. It's a very difficult position to play, cornerback, when you're playing man. Uh, I think that what they'll learn to do is how to play cornerback and play man. You know, they haven't been playing. They don't play much man at USC in the past years. They've been really all zone and keep everything in front of them and, and all this and that. Now it's a different scheme and it takes a while to learn it and you're going to get beat. And we've talked about it all spring that uh, if you don't get to the quarterback and you're playing man, the longer he has to throw the football, the bigger plays you're going to get thrown against you. Now, I, I, want, I want people to realize, too, when you're a quarterback throwing against the defense and you know you can't get sacked, it's a lot easier to step in the pocket and throw the football. I want everybody to understand that. They threw for 400 yards. Yeah, they did. But when you know you're not going to get hit or the official's protecting you, that's a whole different thing. Now, when they're coming after it, you and it's live, then it's a little bit more stressful on you as far as a quarterback. But they threw well. Uh, I think they had a lot of sacks, at least. I I don't know how they count sacks, but I think they had 10 sacks or something during the the, the game, 10 or 12 sacks. I don't keep the stats. I don't care about stats. I care about performance. Individuals and what they do, if you get in a goal line situation, do you score? Do you get in a third down situation, do you convert it? If you're a defensive coach, uh, I mean, my 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 thing is it was a close score. It was 42, what, 35, the way they had their scoring. scoring yeah, it was weird, weird scoring whether you get stops weird. and interceptions. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Since it was so close, I would have, as a head coach, show that I'm as much offense as defense. And I think that's one thing Coach Kiffin has to learn. And, I'm, you know, I'm being positive, but yet I've got to say things that I see. He's got to be as involved in the defensive part of the game as he is in the offensive game as far as the head coach is concerned. When the defense makes great plays, he's got to run over there and tell them great play. Uh, and and I think that the way you could have ended up that scrimmage with a lot of competition and had some fun is maybe go one series live. Everything goes. You put the ball on the 30-yard line, and you say, offense, you keep the ball. If you score anyway, field goal or touchdown, you win the spring game. Defense, if you stop them in the first series or they don't get any type of score at all, you win the spring game. So you end with a bang. You end with a full go. Here we go. Let's get spirited. Let's get something done. You don't want to end it with, oh, it's finally over. (laughs) Uh, you know, so, I mean, that's, and, I, and I'm just saying these things as far as being able to uh, talk with you out there about the end of spring practice. But the injuries has been something everyone talks about, and that's why we didn't scrimmage or do this. But I, I wouldn't know every day, Ryan, but you were. I'll bet you they had as many players hurt in non-contact type of drills. Like, I know George Farmer got hurt, and he wasn't in a right. scrimmage. I'll bet you they had as many hurt or more hurt in non-contact drills when they're hitting and playing than they did the other way. Because when you're ready to protect yourself, your whole body frame is in a different type of position and mood and and, uh, emotional state. When you let up a little bit is when you get somebody hits you from the side or you you don't react the same way, and you, 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 you injure yourself. So I don't know. 
I think the injuries are something that everyone's going to recover. We didn't have any heart attacks, nothing like that. (laughs) You know, they're going to be back and playing, and they'll be eager to get back in the lineup. No, I agree with you, Coach. And that's – Lane Kiffin's going to get criticism no matter what, and there's people that just don't like him. So if they get too physical, he's going to get criticism. If they're not physical enough, he'll get criticism. But certainly I think a lot of the injuries that happened were not because they were tackling or – uh, bringing people to the ground. He made the decision to just uh, thud, just to hit in the scrimmage and not tackle guys to the ground. And they did a little bit of tackling, but um, I mean, I, I can understand that. Uh, you know, I think the fans might have, they would have liked to see it. I think you, you kind of hurt the running game a little where you can't tackle guys. So if Justin Davis, people weren't all that impressed with him because, you know, he didn't really break any big runs, but he wasn't, as soon as he was touched, he was ruled down, and we got to see him in other scrimmages where they were trying to tackle him, and they couldn't bring him down, and I think that would have been a little more fun. So it, it kind of showcased, I guess, the passing game more because they weren't able to tackle. Uh, but I agree with you, Coach. I, I just don't think that the – I think the physical play will pay dividends. I don't think it really cost that many injuries. Like you said, the, the one major injury that he's out for the year, George Farmer, was by himself catching a football that you could do that in shorts and t-shirts in the summer there wasn't anything different about what he did there so yeah i agree with you coach well good uh, i'll tell you also you know as a head football coach you have everybody always second guessing you and uh, i used to second guess myself too when i was a head football coach if we didn't have any injuries i'd say see i was right and if we did have some injuries i said i know i shouldn't have done that <laughs> i know we shouldn't have done that so, you know, you second-guess yourself, and fans do too, and that's why you have to pay for a ticket to go in. You have the right to do that. I always used to say, when I was a coach, if you pay to get in, you have a right to give me your opinion. If you don't pay to get in, don't give me your opinion. But uh, so I think that's part of football. And, you know, USC fans are hardcore football fans. They know football. So don't try to BS them. But they ain't going to buy that. You'll get yourself in deeper trouble. So uh, I think you've got to be honest. You've got to say the truth. Uh, I try to tell the truth when I do the games and I talk about it. It's hard to play action pass, as SC was attempting to do in the spring game, when you don't run the football. Well, how can you play action pass when you don't run the football? That's where the play action pass comes from. When you get down on the goal line, when it's second and one, you throw a little hitch pass or a hook pass out there. Are you really going to do that in the game? Are you really going to do that in the game? If you do, you're going to hear about it from me again on Monday. I mean, second and one, that's a chance to drive it in there and get a nice touchdown, build confidence in the the offensive line who are trying to build themselves into being tougher guys and run the football. So, you know, I didn't see any run to the outside. I'm I'm just telling you what I saw if I scouted this team. I wouldn't be worried at all about the outside contain because they never tried to get outside except the bootleg. Uh, I saw one counter sweep, uh, very little running game, and uh, and I came to see that because I think every single person wants to know if SC can run the football. But I'm going to tell you, you got to run the football to win. Everything becomes easier, and I don't think we got a chance to see that. No, certainly did not, Coach. And uh, I mean, I, I think part of it, like I said, was with the tackling. But it would have it would have been interesting to see more. It seemed like they wanted to put on a, a bit of a show. And I guess if your two best players, you could argue, are Nelson Aguilar and Marquise Lee, probably wasn't a bad idea to, to to throw the football deep. I think I think it got the crowd into it a little bit. But then people come away, like like you said, they're concerned about the secondary. They're concerned about the running game, but I think as far as entertainment goes, they like seeing some of those deep balls. No, they do. And, you know, I mentioned it too when I was talking on the radio. I said, now, remember, if you're a head coach, you got to cheer for both sides. It's nice to see a long touchdown pass, but it would concern me like hell if I was also, you know, I'm getting paid 50% for offense, 50% for defense, and the extra money I get is for special teams. So I got to be concerned. You have three freshman corners out there. You got Shelton, Hawkins, and Seymour, and of course you had Henderson and the rest of them out there. And you're beating them up. <laughs> Poor kids. Man, oh man, I'd be hugging him, Clancy. I, and I think Clancy understands that. He's a veteran coach. 
they're going to do a lot different different things. They've got to they got to cover, uh, disguise their coverages. They're not going to come up and play tight right away. They'll go back. They'll come up. They'll go back. So you can't audibleize to those quick out passes. And if you noticed, when they tried to run that bubble screen either way, it didn't work. It didn't work because when you're up tight and you're playing, man, how in the heck are you going to run those plays when you got a guy already on the line of scrimmage? So there's some pluses that people don't talk about either. So, you know, you got to look at the pluses as well as the minuses, and you've got to say, how did they do as a group? And today they'll be looking at all the tapes and videos and so on. They'll cut it all up, make them teaching uh, training films. They'll put all certain one corner on one, all of all the plays for Seymour on one uh, DVD and another, and they'll teach from this. And that's how you get better. Hey, Coach, I wanted to ask you, too, that now there was a lot of deep passes, and we've we've talked about that. But the secondary did make some plays. There was a nice uh, pass deflection that Davion Shelton made uh, in the end zone. Now, you could argue he may have been able to, to pick that ball off, but he did bat it away. Um, Ryan Henderson had a nice interception on a deep ball up the uh, left sidelines. Uh, we saw Demetrius Wright make two picks, and he was actually demoted to second team. And I think he took that to heart, and he wanted to go out there and make some plays. And he certainly did that. One of you know, one was a nice play. One was a deflective ball that kind of popped in the air, and he had to out jump Josh Shaw for the interception on that one. Uh, Chris Hawkins had a, a pass deflection. I mean, there were some plays made by the secondary well as well. It wasn't all bad. No, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, I'll tell you. I mentioned uh, on the air. I said when uh, Demetrius made his first interception, I haven't seen a safety at, at SC do that in a long time. I mean, be where you're supposed to be, like a center fielder come over from center field and, and get that interception and run down the sideline. It was perfect. Absolutely great play. That was a great play. Now, the tip ball, you know, that just that's a matter of luck and being in the right place and making sure you catch it. But uh, he made a great play on that. And, you know, we've got – or SC's got some players that are injured that will come back and compete against those guys. Bailey will go back to safety. you got Suva Craven coming back, and uh, things will get better. Things will get better back there. And, you know, you're not going to face many teams that throw the ball like that. I mean, you're going to find some teams that throw the ball well. But uh, this is why I keep harping on getting the running game going. Work on the areas you need to get better at. Work on the areas that you want to become a great football team, and that's being able to have both. And... uh in the fall, they won't be able to do as much of that because they don't want to hit as much to get people hurt. But, again, they have to do some. Uh, last uh, question here or two. Well, actually, Rundy had a question. What uh, recruits were there on Saturday? There wasn't a whole lot there, Rundy, but you can check out. We, we talked about the guys that were there on the Peristyle on USCfootball.com. You can go check that out there. There wasn't a ton of guys. There was, there was a bunch of guys from Taft High School. There were, you know, There's some guys with SC offers, SC commitments, and things like that. But you can check that out on the website. And then the last one, Coach, is Stephen Poway. We were talking about the cornerback stuff. He had another question on that. He said, with the obvious depth at wide receiver and lack of depth at cornerback, do you think it would be wise for Coach Lane Kiffin to ask incoming freshman wide receiver Stephen Mitchell, who is likely the redshirt given the depth there, to try out for cornerback? That's Stephen Poway. Stephen Mitchell is a great all-around football player. But I think he's a slot type of back and will play offense. Uh, if 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 I would have now you say if I it's it's easy to say these things if I knew or if I did this and I that after the fact. But if I thought, and I said this last week and the week before, that we were having pro- problems at cornerback and we were going to play man, then I know I have to have corners. And I would have met with Flournoy. I would have met with Blackwell. And these guys want to play receiver. But do you want to play? And not that Hawkins can't do it and the players over there can't do it. But in the spring, I'd have had those guys over there. They could always go back to receiver. Always. And I would have taken them and taught them and see just how they were as man coverage defensive backs because i've said this every week your best 22 players have to be on the field what good does it do to watch the game if you're a great player get up in the stands and watch it (laughs) 
get your best 22 players on the field. They're two great athletes who could play man. Now you say, you say, oh, they want to go to the NFL and they want to be receivers because they are great receivers. You know who's making the money in the NFL? Corners. Yeah. Not receivers. There's a lot of receivers. I'd have sold those guys that, hey, you, let's go over there this spring and let's find out how good you can be as a corner. First, you go in the first round if you can play man, and you'll make more money than receivers. So cornerback is a, is a great position, and I think those are two great athletes. I really do. Not that they don't have great athletes back there. Don't get me wrong. But if you're going to play man, then that's what you need, a guy that can run as fast, jump as high, know what offensive receivers do in their moves. And most of these guys have done it coming in from high school. You know, I like Stephen Mitchell too much at receiver to move him over there. Um, it's just, he just looks so good. And I, I, I know it's hard to say. It's hard to, to do something like that. And I think you, you probably have to make some moves. Uh, but they do have a lot of bodies there at corner. They just haven't, I, th- I think part of the problem is, Coach, is that they haven't seen anyone. You haven't seen these guys have to play man-to-man coverage before. And they were playing this kind of soft zone stuff the last several years. And now it's like a different scheme to them. So I think part of it is just kind of a learning curve. I think you don't want to make any rash moves in the spring. We'll see what happens you know, in the fall. But it's certainly you have to see some better play out of the cornerback, specifically making some plays on the ball that we haven't seen a whole lot of. Well, that's what you said earlier. You know, when you go against great receivers, it's a tough way to learn a lesson. And uh, as you said, it didn't hurt them to go against these receivers. It taught them what it's all about. If you don't concentrate and you don't read it right, you're going to get beat. And you got to also talk to your front seven guys and say, you got to go get them, guys. I can't cover them all day. <laughs> so they've got to understand up front exactly what their role is, too. And when they go, when they, they're studying a lot, remember the middle of the field is going to be open more. In other areas underneath, you're not going to get the linebacker coverage. So uh, it's really important that when you go after somebody and you're playing man, that you get to them. All right, Coach. Well, as always, we appreciate your insights. And uh, that wraps it up for USC Spring Ball 2013. I can't believe it's over. Well, I'll tell you, it's over, and now it's time to get into recruiting. That's what we talk about next, a lot of recruiting with Gerald uh, uh, and uh, Dan, and and we get ready for the fall and the schedule, and, and really, football never ends, Brian. It doesn't end for you. It doesn't end for me. It goes year-round. It doesn't end for the players, and uh, we're not that far. We're about five months away from the football season. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, but, yeah, there will be off-season workouts, too, so we'll still be talking about the team. We'll be able to check them out down at uh, on campus. They'll start throwing here pretty soon. And it'll be interesting now because we're going to find out at 4 o'clock today on – this is Monday um, – what the depth chart's going to be. Will there be a starting quarterback? Who's going to be the leader during these off-season workouts? So I'm curious to see kind of what happens. they probably be an or situation where they're just – not you know pull the trigger but um it kind of sets things up for what you're going to see for the rest of the summer because this is when the players have to work out on their own the all, coaches, right. Co- all right let me ask you a question yeah give me a starting offense wow okay uh so i think they they figured out the the front five uh, i think i'd like to see max turek back at left tackle and uh andre walker at guard but i like marcus martin at center and Graf and Martinez are pretty solid on that side of the line. So I think that looks pretty good. Um, you know, Lee and Aguilar are certainly the, the top two guys uh, at receiver. So I don't think there's any question about about those two. Um, I almost, I mean, at, since we haven't seen Silas Red for a while, I, I don't have an issue with Justin Davis being the starting running back. They'll probably list him as a co-starter with Silas Red, I'm going to guess. But, um, you know, I, I, I can let, you know, he's Red's a senior he transferred in. It was a tough situation and all that stuff. They'll probably have him as the starter, but I don't see any issue with having Justin Davis as as a 1A kind of guy uh, along with him. Um, I think Victor Blackwell's earned his way to be the number three guy, and there's really not a lot of tight ends now. So, you know, you'll have Telfer and Grimble when they, Grimble when they get healthy, but uh, Blackwell will probably be that number three guy just in, in my guess. Um, I would put Cody Kessler as the starting quarterback. Uh, I just think he's done enough this spring 
he took advantage of the the week or so that that Max Wittick was out, and I think he's played really well, and I I do like him uh, at that spot. So that's for me, Coach. That's that's who I thought would be the uh, the starting guys on the offense. I don't know if you agree or disagree. Well, I just wanted to hear. I, I agree with some, most. I just wanted to hear your thoughts. Uh, okay. I think that uh, it's in, it's important to to get your feelings as well as my feelings. And I thought the few times I saw Trey Madden Madden, I thought that he looked really good. And uh, I'm expecting a lot of good things out of him in the fall. Justin Davis, I saw him a lot on on Saturdays in the scrimmages, and I say that this young kid I think is going to bring a lot. In fact, Ryan, if you look at the seven kids that transferred in early enrollees this spring, I think all seven of them are players. I think they all come in. They all came in. They're all going to contribute from Rogers, who has a hamstring. He's a player. There's no question about it. He's going to be a player, and he'll be back in the fall. I think Bigelow's going to be a player, got to grow up a little bit, got to get tougher, but he loves the game of football. He's going to be a player. Hawkins is going to be a player. There's no question about Hawkins being a player. McRae's going to be a player. Uh, so I think that that the early enrollees, I don't know which one I missed here. I might have missed one along the way. Uh, Who did I miss? Did I miss somebody? Well, Liam McQuay. Uh, I said him. McQu- so Cravens, McQuay, and Hawkins in the secondary. Cravens, that's right. Cravens yeah. is a player. So if the next six can be as good as the first seven, Mitchell and that group coming in, they had a great recruiting year, and these kids will all all be great Trojans. All right. Well, Coach, thanks again. Great stuff, and uh, we're looking forward to talking to you for the rest of the offseason as we count down to the USC spring – I mean, the USC – not spring, regular football season 2013. Thanks again, Coach. Thank you very much. And for all of you out there, thank you very much for living and having, uh, listening and have a great, great week. And uh, talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks again, Coach. Thanks to Southern California Tickets. And we'll be back in 30 seconds talking with Dan Weber. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287, or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. We are back here on the Peristyle Podcast. We have Dan Weber joining us. Uh, Dan, we uh, we had that little April Fool joke a couple weeks ago yeah. that we, we brought in Colin Cowherd. So I'm sorry we uh, we skipped your rotation last week. We wanted to get your insights today on all the uh, on the spring game stuff. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, actually. Uh, uh, it wasn't a uh, an April Fool's joke uh, for me. I you know I'm just kind of kidding, but uh, uh, I think you know Colin was great. It's so interesting how uh, how much uh, attention he pays and how much attention his comments got. I think uh, uh, it was very that was that was really interesting. And then uh, uh, now we do have something to talk about, though. I think with the spring game uh, behind us and uh, working on something. Uh, out of the spring, basically, what could possibly go wrong? And I'm, I'm, I'm phrasing that in two different ways. With the question mark, what could possibly go wrong from here through the season? And the second one is, what could possibly go wrong without a question mark? Just saying, these are the kinds of things. You can win spring training, you know, or win spring football, and uh, not necessarily – have it, uh, you know, translate. So uh, uh, I think we can look back and say, very successful spring, very successful. Forget the, uh, you know, the injuries. If you look at the team that USC put on the field Saturday, you add 19 of the 20 injured guys who weren't there, add six more freshmen. You, you know, and, and I know people. It's hard for them to understand. You take what you saw Saturday, add 25 players. 
that's probably a team capable of competing. I know people don't want to hear that. That, you know, oh, I don't know. This is, but add 25 players to what you saw on the field Saturday. Probably a pretty good team. Yeah, certainly. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to see. I know you're going to have a column coming up this week. So definitely check out uh, USCfootball.com a little later on the week. And Dan will have uh, more stuff on that. Uh, but we did a uh, lot. And then of- we also uh, we get we get Lane Kiffin at four today, so uh, might do some you know quick hitters as we're going, and then uh, try to you know sum up uh, what his uh, what his impression of and comparing it to other uh, you know springs that he's had, and comparing this staff with uh, with others. It certainly seems to have gone together quickly and and well. I mean, for guys that, that really didn't know one another and really hadn't had, you know, any experience with USC football uh, when you look at, you know, the new coaches. And yet it certainly seems to uh, probably have gone gone together as well as, as you could possibly have hoped for and as well as, you know, as any staff in, in recent years. Again, the proof comes in uh, in the fall, not now. But, uh, uh, yeah, what – you know, whether you've got a question, what could possibly go wrong, or whether you just want to talk about what could possibly go wrong. <laughs> uh, it, it's, uh, this is what you, you want to think about between now and, uh, and, 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 and September. And uh, I know last year, I think we all coming out of spring, you knew how much everybody thought, everybody thought uh, USC was going, you know, to be, you know, with you know, with the return of uh, you know the unexpected return of Matt Barkley and T.J. McDonald and all of the kinds of things that just seemed to be falling in place, um, it looked like even though probably last spring you weren't that impressed with what you saw, and you certainly weren't impressed with what you saw in August. You know, it was all you know potential or these guys have to be pretty good or, or you know they have to get it done based on coming off of, of the 2011 season and who they head back. But there was never that sense of they got it, you know, they got it going in the right direction, just that they should have it going in the right direction. This team's a little different. It looks like they've got it going in the right direction without people, you know, having any sense of they should have it going in the right direction, just like it looks like they may. Uh, this going to be interesting. Certainly will, Dan. Well, we had a bunch of questions to uh, get to from the spring game, and a lot of people got to watch, so it's the first time they can actually see for themselves kind of what's going on there. Uh, the first one, I will do a voicemail question for you, and of course, the, the big question is always about the quarterbacks, and, and this is no exception. Hey guys, this is Julian. I uh, live over in the Palisades. I was at the spring game today and had a great time. Um, my question is about the... Uh, the quarterback competition. Um, to me, it just looked pretty clear that the offense worked better when Cody Kessler was in. And I, of course, they're all three great athletes and uh, uh, really good quarterbacks, but Cody Kessler just seems to have better decision making and he seems to run the offense better. Uh, whereas with Max Wittick, he seems to make bad decisions. Um, so why is it so hard to make a choice uh, about who should be the starting quarterback? Um, I guess that's my question. So help me understand what I'm missing, because it seems pretty clear to me that they should go with uh, Cody Kessler. Okay, thanks. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what you could come out of the game thinking that without a doubt that uh, that it ought to go this way because you know Max has had uh, had the knee which took him out of a couple of weeks of spring. Uh, he got to start the other day. May have not you know read the safety coming over on that you know first interception. The second one, you know, somewhat some of that was you know just Kevon Seymour coming over top of uh, of Marquise Lee and making an absolutely sensational play. Uh, somebody, you know, you might say, oh, maybe you need, didn't need to force the ball into that situation quite as much. Yeah, the advantage it looks like Cody has is there's kind of a confidence level 
I think in his athleticism that he, he, he can take a little bit longer look in the pocket. He can move the pocket. He can get himself a throwing lane, and he can take off with it if he has to. He didn't have to. But if you notice, I think on a lot of his you know, patterns, he has more time to throw the ball, and a lot of that is, is his ability to just handle the pocket, his comfort level. And the longer you take to throw the ball, if you've got Nelson Aguilar running a crossing pattern or, you know, Marquise Lee, you know, one-on-one singled up with a cornerback, the longer the play takes before you release the ball, the farther, you know, removed uh, the USC's receivers are going to be from the defensive back. So, so there certainly seems to be, uh, you know, that kind of a situation where Cody might, might have the advantage. Um, uh, he does seem to be, more comfortable uh, just in general. Although, you know, again, you don't want to be saying negatives. I, I don't disagree with Lane that he's got three guys, three quarterbacks that can that can play and, and, and win. If you watched uh, a lot of the other um, Pac-12 spring games over the weekend, uh, that's not the case in a lot of places. I mean, so uh, I don't know if it's that hard a decision or if it's just not one that they want to make right away uh, and give everybody a chance to, to really compete. I know Cody, you know, when you talk to him, he really wants to just compete every day. And, uh, and his, his, he's almost said, I think, you know, it might happen you know, through the fall. We'll compete. You know, I mean, Stanford got away with it last year, uh, basically, you know, starting with one quarterback and finishing up with another two young, you know, two guys that, that hadn't played before. Uh, so I don't know that it's unprecedented. And, and so, uh, uh, and as, as Rick Neuheisel said, and he wasn't wrong uh, on one of the telecasts yesterday about a couple of guys uh, that were competing, you know, for the starting job. He said, why name anybody now? The other guy will leave. Uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know if it was Colorado game or which game it was, but, uh, and, and that's the point, you know, I mean, why, why, uh, you know, make a decision before you have to. They don't have to make one right now. And, uh, you know, there's a long time before that Hawaii game. So, so I, I think it may not be as hard as, as, you, as it seems to be. It just may not be time. Oh, makes sense, Dan. Um, we have a couple of questions on the running game. I'll, I'll lump them together for you. So first is Patrick, New Jersey. He said, what, from what you've seen so far in spring practice, is the USC offensive strength lie in the passing, or do you think the running game has improved enough to offer a very good ground game? Uh, he says, thanks for the hard work and love the podcast. That's Patrick in New Jersey. And then Melvin wanted to know specifically about Trey Madden. He said, was that Trey Madden out there in the spring game? I thought he was not going. I thought he was going to be out for the spring, um, and I thought he lacked power and did not, have the, did not move the pile in short yardage situations. What do you think? So that's Melvin and Patrick in New Jersey on the running game. Well, I think there was there was no that, that's the, the thing you give up when you go to the thud, and they hadn't done that all spring. But when you go to the thud, which means basically just the first uh, the first hit essentially stops the play, uh, and uh, the problem there is you can't move the pile with uh, you know the, with in a thud uh, defense where the first hit stops the play. So there were there was probably one play there where I thought Trey. Uh, you know, would have had 15 to 18 yards, and they, I think they gave him eight because, you know, he was contacted and, and kind of stopped. I think they decided uh, in the interest of not, you know, getting any more injuries that they would go with the Fed, Fed style of defense, which does take away your ability to really run the ball in a way because you just can't, you know, break any tackles. You can't run through any arms and things like that. Uh, so essentially it became a, a, a scrimmage for the quarterbacks and the wide receivers and the uh, offensive line in terms of offense. Uh, I mean, we have seen, seen them uh, after about the first uh, four practices or so, they came out fighting on the offensive line and slugging and wanted to really, uh, you know, compete with the defensive line. It's pretty darn good. And uh, so I think they've shown us enough in, in, in spring ball. I mean, again, we haven't really seen Silas Red, DJ Morgan, very little. Uh, Trey Madden, they unveiled. I, I don't think 
we totally expected that. It was obvious they were letting him do more things every day in practice, especially running the Wildcat. Uh, and I think they just decided he's ready and we'll just let him go and we're not really tackling him to the ground. So, uh, so let's, uh, let's let it go. I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't jump to any conclusions from, from what you saw uh, Saturday in terms of the run game. I just think, you know, they, they kind of sacrificed the run game, which probably tells you that they're feeling pretty okay about the run game. And, and when you're feeling, you know, pretty good about the run game, they could come out and throw the ball. They actually threw the ball without having to set it up with the run, which, uh, you know, I think that's a commentary on, on the quarterbacks, the wide receivers, and maybe, you know, the cornerbacks. And the, uh, I thought the safeties um, with uh, Demetrius Wright stepping up and, and Josh Shaw, you know, coming through uh, and, and really being active. I thought uh, other than, you know, they got a lot of singled up with the cornerbacks. Now, as Clancy Pendergast said, they did not do anything to game plan for, you know, Marquise Lee and Nelson Aguilar. So you ended up with a lot of situations where you had one of the young uh, corners uh, singled up with, uh, uh, with Marquise or Nelson. And that, you know, even Victor Blackwell, and that's a recipe for uh, not very not very much success, not just for USC, but for a lot of teams. So, uh, uh, but I think uh, I think the pattern is set. They're gonna they know they have to be able to run the ball. They have to be physical, uh, and uh, I think uh, I think I think they're going to be able. To, I think they're clearly going to be improved. Now, how improved? How they uh, how they use the, you know, they're going to have six tailbacks probably capable of starting. How they're going to, how they're going to manage that, how they're going to use that, uh, and, and that rotation and all that. Uh, that's really interesting. I think the tailbacks themselves are thinking, how's this going to work? You know, uh, I don't think we know, but I think they've got a chance to be able to run the ball pretty well. They've got enough, uh, you know, enough size and enough speed, and certainly enough bodies. So, uh, so I think. Uh, I'm 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 fairly positive about you know where the run game's going. All right, so that was the question on the running backs, or a couple of questions on the running backs. With Trey Madden, um, it was funny to see him kind of progress throughout the the spring. They you would get a little, you get a few touches here, a few touches there, but I did not expect them to use him as much as they really did, and, and I I think most of the criticism I heard from people is like the running game really wasn't working, and it. It's difficult if you're not tackling. I mean, you're, there's a disadvantage there with the running backs. Like as soon as you get touched, you're down. And that you obviously, if you watch a football game, that's not how it normally works. <laughs> well, especially with a Trey Madden. So, uh, and I think even uh, a Buck Allen, I think, kind of slipped a couple of times as he was making that big cut before he got to the line of scrimmage. And I think some of that was they were trying so hard to avoid being touched. Uh, you know, and so I think they almost overcut. Uh, to try to you know run through there you know through some you know through a seam uh, untouched so it wasn't uh, that's the downside of uh, of going uh, not going live uh, even though they were you know they they ran you know it wasn't so much a downside I don't think for the defense the other day although there are times when it's still you know you're not allowed to just you're not really supposed to run through the guy so. They, you know, there are plays where, you know, you'd see a, a, a defensive back get singled up with a, uh, a wide receiver, knowing he can't really take him down. So then they get kind of stymied a little bit, and it becomes more of a two-hand touch game. Uh, so I think you kind of saw, uh, you know, in a little microcosm there of, of what went wrong last fall when you do that basically every day. You know, that was the most they hit every day. And by the time, you know, that there's a cumulative effect over, you know, week after week of, uh, of kind of pulling your punches or holding up on your, on your pursuit angle or, or whatever, knowing that you're really not supposed to take a guy to the ground. And it really makes it hard to do things full speed. Now, I thought they, you know, handled it well for one-time occurrence, and I think uh, and it probably made a lot of sense. You know, they got out of there with no injuries. Uh, still got to, you know, get a lot of things done. But you wouldn't want to do that as a regular. You just can't. It's just not football if you do that every day and every day. Uh, all right, let's see. I'm going to move on to um, 
Theo, who had a question. It actually came in before the uh, the spring game, but I think it still applies. He says, hi, guys. It's been a while since I emailed. Uh, I never miss a show. Well, thank you for that, Theo. He says, what, do you, uh, what you guys do are greatly appreciated. My question is, what's going on with Charles Burks? He seems perfect for the new scheme, especially at the hybrid end. Is he getting any time on the field? That's from Theo. Yeah, we're getting a lot of Charles Burke questions on the on the P and uh, or what have you. And Charles, uh, you know, responded now. Uh, you know, when the second teams were going, uh, I think Charles had a lot of you know got a lot of penetration, and and that does seem. I watched him, and I didn't have a chance to ask him what he weighs now. But I know the the last time I asked him, he was right at two fifteen. He looks bigger than that now. Uh, he's low. He's got low center of gravity. He's uh, you know he's, he's got uh, good explosiveness. Big wide shoulders. I mean, he can make uh, you know contact with you uh, if he gets in there. But but he had some uh, you know they want the you know the the defense to play on the other side of the line of scrimmage, and he was doing that uh, Saturday. So he seems to be uh, you know maybe finding a home there. Um, he he'd be a if you're a big big tackle, and you're trying to block Charles Burke, man, you know you got to get down. You got that would that would be a challenge a little bit, uh, you know, for uh, for one of those six foot, you know, six uh, three hundred plus pound guys to uh, to handle uh, Charles Burke, uh, who is you know with with such a low center of gravity, and he's a tough, strong kid. Uh, so I think uh, he may have found a home. Yep. Uh, I'm so I'm looking for good things out of him. Uh, let's see. Here's a question from David. Is it was great watching USC football again? The spring game looked great for the deep ball against USC's new five-five-two uh, defense. But will, will it work against the two-deep safety defense, which most defenses played against USC last year? And with the new USC defense, will other teams take advantage and play the deep ball against USC just like in the spring game? That's uh, David. I think uh, the thought is on the. Um on defending the deep ball is you don't give them time to throw the deep ball. Okay. I mean, I think that's, uh, and, and, and most of the teams running the spread, they're not, you know, that's not what they're throwing. They're not throwing the deep ball. Uh, and, uh, so, you know, I think, I think the theory of it is if you're playing on their side of the line of scrimmage, if you're getting penetration with, uh, the kind of pass rushers USC has and the way they're, they're going to come at you with the, you know, the two inside linebackers as well. So I guess, you know, the theory with USC is they're not going to have uh, big-time receivers running single deep, uh, you know, for as long as uh, as Marquise and uh, Nelson had and Victor uh, and get singled up with those cornerbacks, for example. Uh, so as, as Clancy said after the scrimmage, uh, we may see one guy as good as, as we see every day in practice. We're not going to see two or three. Uh, in any game, uh, that is, you know, kind of a, and it adds, you know, if USC uses that right, uh, that they won't, you know, they won't see people like that. As far as throwing the ball against that defense, uh, as far as USC is concerned, more teams are going to that in the Pac-12. That's kind of the, the thing that people have gone to that, uh, you know, three, four, fifty-two, um, uh, to stop the, um, uh, to stop the the spread, you know, they're in the more spread out offenses and that, and, uh, you know, the number of different things that you see in the PAC 12, probably the hardest conference by far with the, uh, you know, the most uh, people doing the most different things. I, I always thought it was interesting last year when Georgia, after 13 games and almost getting to the BCS championship game was going to play Nebraska. And one of the problems in handicapping the game was, Georgia had played 13 games. They hadn't seen a single uh, multi-dimensional athletic quarterback uh, in 13 games. Hadn't played a single one. Uh, Alabama had played one all year. Uh, Johnny Manziel lost at home. Uh, there is a difference. Uh, I think at that time we were laughing because USC had already played five. You know, had played five different uh, multi-dimensional athletic quarterbacks who can run it and throw it. So uh, there is a challenge, you know, in the Pac-12 uh, every week, to, you know, uh, on defense. So I think, you know, this, this 52, 34, whatever you want to call it, Clancy's calling it the 52, so we will. But I think, uh, uh, I think it's probably uh, most geared to USC's personnel to begin with and probably the, 
the most in sync with the Pac-12. Now, if you're going to let people run single coverage, deep routes, you got problems, no matter who you are. So they can't, they can't allow that to happen. Got to get to the quarterback uh, before that happens. So, you know, even though there were 10 sacks, a lot of those were against the, uh, the second unit, unit, uh, probably a pretty good showing by the, by the offensive line in a lot of ways, uh, that, uh, that they were able to, to get that many, uh, uh, deep balls to, uh, you know, receivers who can convert them. I think the other thing you're seeing with USC now is, and I think, you know, as much as, as, um, as Martise did it, and I happened to watch one of those hour replays of the Arizona game from last year, and you just realize, holy crime, and he look at, you know, where he broke all the records. Um, but that Nelson Aguilar, his ability to convert the catch into uh, yards after, and I mean yards after, where he's basically trying to take every catch into the end zone, uh, has kind of set up a competitive situation between those two. That um, that they're really going to put pressure on secondaries, and they have to. USC has to be able to take advantage of that, of getting them singled, getting them, you know, into space, because each one of them essentially says, you know, I get it, I got you, and I'm going to beat you to the end zone from wherever they are on the field, and uh, that's really something, you know, as much as we've, you know, we've seen that a little bit, you know, with Robert, and then a little bit more with Marquise. You know, to have basically two home run hitters um, who can do that, you know, on almost any play is uh, going to be interesting. So if it makes the USC secondary look a little suspect now, uh, they may not have to face quite that same uh, challenge when they play somebody else. All right. Uh, Speaking of the secondary, we had a question about um, Demetrius Wright. Uh, This is from Mac. Uh, Mac D in Vancouver, British Columbia. He says Demetrius Wright has a hip problem, and his two options have him needing surgery, and the other just rehabbing. He has his red shirt available and a crowded secondary with Bailey, Bowman, Shaw, Cravens, and McQuay. Would they consider opting for surgery and redshirting him, which allows for less of a transition in 2014, or does his graduation mean too much? That's Mac D in Vancouver. That's an interesting question. I think. Uh, Demetrius just, he thinks this is his year and he thinks this is his, you know, he's been a kid that, you know, a couple of years ago, he earned a starting spot and then got an injury the last week of practice and never really got, never really recovered from that. Uh, he seems like, you know, having one of those senior where you just have a, a blossoming a little bit, uh, in terms of personality wise and leadership wise and, and, and all of that. And, uh, just looks like I think he really thought about it. I think the USC uh, uh, medical people thought he didn't need the surgery. It's a partial partial tear, and they took a week off, and and his legs came back. He you know had a really good practice. Uh, you know the day he came back after taking off a week, and uh, they think it's really manageable. And uh, what it does is it, it gives you more. Uh, ability, for example, to the flexibility I think uh, Clancy was talking about with Josh Shaw. It gives you a lot more flexibility with Josh Shaw if uh, if Demetrius plays this year. But you know, you make you know you make the case that uh, he'd be there, you know, and available in a future year. My th- my thinking is if they manage it well and if he handles, you know, and it, and it, it he he looks as good physically as he does right now, then. Uh, I mean, he's he's kind of amazed at how how well he feels, how good he feels. He ran really well, um, you know, how well he had he practiced last week, how how well he played Saturday. That uh, that he'll probably play his senior year, and uh, uh, you know, I think that's probably the right call. I think that's one of these calls that that pretty much the player has to make. What do you feel like? What's your hip feel like? We can't know what it feels like. There's two ways you can go. Um, and if they do the surgery, chances are he wouldn't get back, and I think that's what he he thought. Uh, he did not want to give up his senior season. I think it's I think it's probably the right call. Something happens between now and then, he does have the option then of uh, of doing the surgery and uh, and coming back. Uh, you know, in 2014. All right, uh, we got one last one for you. This is uh, Kristen San Pedro. 
says, Dan, I love the podcast. I was struck at the spring game by the lack of size or development of many of the players. Can you comment on the quality of the strength and conditioning program compared to other programs? He said, specifically, there seems to be little or no added muscle mass to players like Jabari Ruffin, 230 pounds, Lamar Dawson, 235, Saro, 215, Buck Allen, 210, DePaulo, 285, and Kevin Green, uh, 255. Some of them have been in the program for three or four years now, and I don't see any difference from when they started. We aren't even as big or strong, as strong as Stanford. Well, they're not going to ever probably be as big and strong as, I mean, I don't know about strong, but as big, that's what Stanford wants to do. That's not what USC wants to do. I mean, for example, Lamar Dawson looks to me, uh, without uh, adding weight, much more, you know, much stronger kid, much more defined, uh, you know, mus- you know, muscle-wise. Uh, Giovanni DiPaolo, for example, uh, hasn't added, you know, he's gone up and down, but I think he's in the best shape by far that he's ever been in uh, with his shoulder. Uh, if, you, if you talk about a team that you think hasn't done enough, but uh, John Martinez, for example, had he gone to the, you know, the combine this year or last year would have probably been, I think, third, third best, third highest uh, lifter of all the, uh, all the guys at the NFL combine, all the offensive linemen at the NFL combine. Uh, Kevin Graff was the, uh, you know, lifter of the year, I think, coming back after those, you know, shoulder surgeries, um, and he won the lifter of the year. So, and he looks like, uh, I think he was telling me the other day, 305, the lowest muscle, uh, or uh, 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 I guess the lowest uh, percentage of fat that he's ever had, uh, really significantly low for a guy his size. So I think that might be an over overstatement in terms of, uh, you know, Buck Allen to me looks just—he looks like Superman. I mean, he, you know, he's close to 215. Uh, there aren't many, you know, tailbacks in the country that are going to look better. Uh, and you just, you know, you just look at him. Uh, you know, Trey Madden, uh, you know, big and strong, and uh, you know, tough kid. Uh, Marcus Martin, for example, I think is, you know. Down uh, three, you know, around 310, which means that he's in better shape than than he's been in. Uh, he's not the 330-pound freshman, you know, who started out. So, uh, so I think it, it's a sliding scale of, in terms of, you know, weight, and they're probably never going to be Alabama, probably never going to be uh, 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 Stanford, and they don't really want to be exactly that kind of a team that's that's not exactly what usc is they're kind of a hybrid where they have elements of um, of those teams but they still have the ability they have the quick strike ability and still have the um, you know uh, i think they pride you know sells a little bit more a little more athleticism than strength as opposed to you know strength over athleticism but uh but I, I, I'm not as negative about, you know, as some people are. I mean, for a while we were wondering about the, um, uh, the food program, and they're working at it, uh, probably not anywhere near where it needs to be. Uh, they're probably keeping rules much more strictly at USC than they are at a lot of other places in terms of, of how you can feed the athletes, and they think they're under a microscope that uh, they, uh, they don't allow some of the things, but but I think they know that they have to get it all figured out. But but I don't think uh, I don't think they've fallen off, uh, you know, in terms of, of the weight, uh, you know, the weight program. I think they're doing it a little differently. I think they're going to try to avoid the uh, super lifting uh, stuff that Devon Kennard, for example, tore his pec with. But uh, if you can find a better, you know, looking pair of defensive ends, then. Uh, then Devon Kennard and Morgan Breslin in combination of, you know, strength and, and quickness, uh, better when looking than uh, defensive tackle than, than Leonard Williams. Uh, you know, I'm not sure. George, uh, for example, a guy that's put on some weight and has become more explosive is Antoine Woods. He's probably back up now. He's gotten down to 300 or so, and I think he's a little above 305, but he's quicker and stronger than we've seen him ever. So, uh, so I think that might be a little bit of a, 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 a quick judgment about uh, about the uh, you know where their weight program is and and, and where it's leaving their athletes. Uh, I don't think they're going to get out muscled as much. I think last year was a failure of the will, 
and a failure of coaching as much as it was a failure of just uh, having enough, you know, guys. You know, I think Colin Holmes was a problem uh, because of his injuries and over the, the last couple of years and, and maybe inability to, to you know, he, he did a remarkable job of showing up and playing every game with his injuries, but those injuries didn't allow him to really uh, probably put himself in the kind of shape that he would have liked to have been in. So, you know, that was, that was, that was something of a problem. But, uh, again, if there's a wide receiver in better shape, more athletic, say, than Marquise Lee, uh, you know, maybe Nelson Aguilar, I don't know. But uh, they're, they're really – I don't think the fault is in what they're doing in the weight room and, and where they get them onto the field uh, in terms of, you know, where they weigh when they, they get onto the field. I'd like to see Andre Walker bigger and stronger again. But uh, otherwise, I think, they're, I think they're doing pretty well. All right. Well, Dan, we appreciate you coming on and uh, sharing the insights. Our last – Report on USC spring football, but there'll be plenty to talk to throughout the offseason, so we look forward to that. Uh, thanks again for coming on the show. I enjoyed it very much. Good questions. Thanks. Yeah, and everyone else, yeah, keep sending in those questions. We appreciate those. And uh, thanks very much for tuning in to the Peristyle Podcast. Again, people keep ask, asking me, there's no April Fool's. I mean, that was an April Fool's joke. We are not going away. We will still be here like we've been the last couple of weeks. So thanks very much. Don't forget to set in your taxes, and we'll talk to you all next week. You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.